This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. For the name of Jesus, we stand up now and we thank you for the Word of God as I come to teach tonight. I make it known that I'm not trusting or depending on limited human abilities to teach. But I thank you, Father God, for anointing upon my mind that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. Thank you now for supernatural recall of the Scripture. And I believe that your word will flow from my mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything, carried by your anointing, your power and love, to each person's mind, bringing understanding, removing confusion, that your word will enter every heart, bringing faith, dispelling every fear. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise, the honor and the glory for all that is revealed and accomplished through your word and by your spirit here tonight in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus. Praise God. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We are living in a world that is filled with stress and pressure. Our modern world is filled with stress and pressure. And you hear of folks cracking under that pressure all the time. Suicides have gone up around the world a lot. I don't believe that that's what God wants for His people. Let's read what God says here, 1 Peter 5, 7, how we are to deal with the pressures of life. From the Amplified Translation, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on the Lord, for He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. So I don't think God left anything out of here. He says, all of your cares, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, give them all to God, all of them, once and for all, because He cares about you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Praise God. Amen? Now, none of us want our children to suffer all the stresses of life. Us who have children would love to help our kids so they never have any problems in life, if that were at all possible. And that's exactly how the heart of God feels about you and me. Now, that's the New Testament we've just read right here. This verse is almost identical in the Old Testament as well. Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord, releasing the weight of it, and He will sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Wonderful. That's the Lord we serve. So He says, give me your burden both in the Old and the New Testament. Now that is actually easier said than done. To give God our problem once and for all and walk away and live a stress-free, carefree life is easier said than done. 
we can give our problem to God, walk out the church, and before we get to the car, we're worrying again. We give our problem to God in church, we walk out the door, before we get to the parking lot, we're worrying again. You see, giving our problem to God is like trying to put sticky tape down. Sticky tape. You know what I'm talking about? Put it down and sticks to your finger. And you take it that way and put it down and sticks to that finger. Am I the only one that's ever had that problem? Okay. But there is a way it can be done. God would not ask us to do something that's not possible to do. So if God said, give me your problems, then there's got to be a way to do that. Let's have a look and see. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. Now, when God says, don't worry about anything like they did here, and we worry, would that be a sin or not a sin? Say this, worry is a sin. It's wrong to do anything God said we shouldn't do. Amen. I would rather be around somebody who smokes than somebody who worries. Because smoking will just half kill you, but worrying will definitely kill you. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So God says the principle here the formula here is, number one, right, do not worry. And the way we solve that problem is don't worry is by, one, praying, giving our problem to God. And then once we've done that, we give Him thanks. Give thanksgiving. Said this, my step one is give God the problem. And once I've done that, continue to give Him thanks. So if I do that, if I ask him to take it, and I give it to him, and then from that moment on, I praise him because I believe he's got it and not me. I give it to him. He's got it, not me. He's solving it, not me. It doesn't look like anything's changed, but I'm thanking God because he's got the problem and he's dealing with it, and I'm carefree. Right? What happens then? Well, the Bible says in the next verse, if you do that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we'll be worry-free, full of peace and joy after that. Those two steps. Give it to God. And once we've done that, we continue praising Him because He's got it. He's solving it. Okay? And then we'll walk in peace. So then, say this, the peace of God in my heart is the proof that I've given my problem to God, that I don't have it, that He's got it, if I have peace. So if I'm stressed out and worrying, that's the evidence or proof that I've got the problem and God doesn't have it. Are you tracking me, church? Because that's what this verse said right here, right? Verse 7. Now when the devil comes knocking at your door, once you've given your problem to God and you're praising God and you're peaceful and carefree, 
You can count on one thing. The devil doesn't like that. He's going to knock at your door. And he's going to try and remind you of your problem. So you open the door. Who's there? Oh, it's the devil. And he says, I came to remind you about that problem. Then what you have to say is, now, Mr. Devil, this is the wrong door. That problem is at the problem-solving department upstairs. And if you want to talk about that problem, you need to go up to God and talk to Him about it because I'm not dealing with it anymore. It's His problem. He's dealing with it. And if you want to discuss that problem, then you need to talk to God about it, not me. Thank you very much. And close the door. Well, not thank you, but goodbye. <laughs> close the door. Amen. Praise God. Now, here is a great example of how not to crack under pressure and how not to worry. So, open your Bible to Jonah 1 verse 1 or else look up at the screens. I'll give you a moment to find Jonah 1 verse 1. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. 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 It's even worse than my name, praise the Lord. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the seacoast, the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping that by going away to the west, he would escape from God. God didn't live in the west, in case you didn't know that. He's not there. But as the ship was sailing along, suddenly the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to send them to the bottom. So God sent the storm. I'll talk about that in a moment. Number five, fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. And all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will have mercy on us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. And when they did this, Jonah lost the toss. What have you done to bring this awful storm down on us? They demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? <laughs> the questions are flying like machine gun bullets. And Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord God, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. 
Then he told them that he was running from the Lord. The sailors were terrified when they heard this. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. Why did you get on our boat? <laughs> Couldn't you find another boat? <laughs> Verse 11. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop the storm? And he said, pray for me. Is that what he said? No. <laughs> That's a great idea. Throw me overboard. <laughs> Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. For I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors tried even harder to row the boat to shore. They, want to take it. they didn't want to throw him overboard because if he died, maybe God would be even more angry with them for killing this man. But the, storm, but the stormy sea was so violent for them, they could not make it. They could not row to shore. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. They cried out to Jonah's God. All of a sudden, Jonah's God is better than their God. Our gods couldn't help us. We'll try Jonah's God. They cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death because it isn't our fault, oh Lord. You have sent the storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into raging sea. And the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. And they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. So all these sailors now become believers in the correct true God. Now God's storm, like this one. No one died. No one died. In fact, the entire boat got saved, got born again. Not born again, it's before Christ. So they got saved by faith. They're in heaven today. The entire boat got saved because of God's storm. Another example of God doing something similar is when God brought a great earthquake to shake the prison house when Paul and Silas prayed and worshipped God. And when God brought that great earthquake, it shook the jail so much that all the chains on the prisoners came off and the doors burst open. The result of God's earthquake was that the prison warden and his family got saved, gave their life to Christ, and I believe that all the prisoners got saved too. You know, Scripture says that, that all the chains fell off. I believe they all gathered after Jesus. So you can see God sent the storm. All the sailors got saved. No one got hurt. God sent an earthquake. Everybody in prison got saved. No one got hurt. When God does something like that, it's not like a hurricane going through a city or a country. 
sent by the devil where people die, their houses get torn down. God didn't do that. Now then, as we carry on reading then from verse 17, now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So he was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Jonah chapter 2 verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. I guess so. I guess so. I wonder when he prayed. Do you think he waited for the third day before he prayed? Or do you think he prayed right away? What would you do? Would you just hang around inside the fish for three days before you decide to ask God for help? I don't know about you, but the minute I saw that fish with his mouth open eight feet wide, I'd be praying. So I guess we can safely assume Jonah prayed immediately. Is that a good idea? Okay. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O oh Lord, you have driven me from, my, from your presence. How will I ever again see your holy temple? I sank beneath the waves, and death was very near me, and seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was locked out of life and imprisoned in the land of the dead. But you, O oh Lord my God, snatched me from the yawning jaws of death. When I'd lost all hope, when I'd lost all hope. I don't know if there's anybody here tonight who's lost all hope. I don't know what your challenges might be. I know some folks have got serious challenges here tonight. I understand that. I understand that. But yes, somebody that really had a big problem. He had lost all hope inside this fish. Inside that fish was rotting fish. It must have stunk like hell. Right? And that acid, I'm sure, was eating away at his skin. When I lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Now, we are going to receive a principle from Jonah that guarantees success in any circumstance. No matter how bad, your problem is right now, here is a principle that Jonah applied that got him out of a whale of a mess. This is a serious problem. But God delivered him because he applied this principle. Watch carefully now. Firstly, in verse 8 he says, 
Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. Very important. He's setting the stage here. He says, don't have false gods. And uh, we would say, well, that doesn't concern me because we don't have idols today. We don't have idols today. Well, let's think about that for a moment. God expects us to spend time with Him in the day, preferably in the morning. He expects us to come to church every weekend. He expects us to be part of a fellowship group. And He expects us to serve in His house. Is this a strange language? That's what he expects, right? And uh, I know we live in a world that's very demanding, requires us to be very busy. But when we look at our daily calendar and see what we did in 24 hours, we'll find we had plenty of time to sleep. We had plenty of time to go to work or school, whatever it is. We had plenty of time to watch the news, maybe have a little entertainment. All that in a week. And if we don't have time to read our Bible in the morning, now I don't know how much time you want to spend reading your Bible, that's up to you. But when you read your Bible, that's spiritual food. And when you pray, that's spiritual drink. Spiritual drink. And uh, we need to drink water every day at least and eat food every day at least physically to sustain our physical body but our spiritual body needs the same right we need to feed our spirits and feed our bodies feed our spirits and feed our bodies both I want to just say something here where is Dr. Peter here and Pastor Nell. Stand up, please. Where are you? Wave at me. Where are they? They had to go up here. They had to go? Okay. I just want to say how grateful we are that they were in San Antonio. Doing a great job for God there. We missed them out in that video. All right. So now, we have to feed our spirit and our body. So, if we find at the end of the day or the end of the week, we just haven't prayed, we haven't read our Bibles, and we're just too busy to come to church, we come once a month or twice a month, we have to stop and ask ourselves the question, is all that more important than God? And our time, where we spend it, will tell us if we have idols in our life. You see, if I have no time for God then all the other things are idols in my life. And we are worshipping idols. It's getting awfully quiet in this Presbyterian church. All right, let's get that sorted out. Let's make sure we have time with God in prayer and in, in the Word. And how much you eat and how much you drink is up to you. I can tell you what I do. I'm going to preach the Word and live my convictions. But you make sure that you drink enough spiritual drink and feed yourself enough spiritual food to be able to sustain you and live a strong, healthy, spiritual life. Amen? All right, now we go on to verse 9. Now watch this. Here's the formula. 
But I will offer a sacrifice to you with songs of praise, and I will perform my, all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. All right, watch this now. He says, the only way I'm going to get out of here is from the Lord alone. My salvation from this fish is from God alone. Okay, number one. So I'm going to do the following because I know if I do that, God's going to rescue me. All right? So what is it he says he's going to do? Number one, he said he's going to fulfill all his vows. But he's going to pray first. Then he's going to fulfill all his vows. All the promises he's made to God, he's going to keep them. He's talking specifically about Nineveh. I've changed my mind. All of a sudden, I've figured out I need to go to Nineveh. All by myself. Down here in the fish, the light came on. Huh, I think I should go to Nineveh and preach to them. No one's in the fish to tell him there. He figured that out by himself. So he says, I'm going to keep my vow to God. I'm going to Nineveh. Whatever else he's vowed to God. And we should learn by that. Amen? If we've made a promise to God, whatever it might be, we need to keep it. Once again, it's getting awfully quiet in the Presbyterian church. We're not a Presbyterian church. Don't come say to me, I don't know we're a Presbyterian church. Folks do that all the time I say that. We love the Presbyterians, but we're not quiet like they are. I get nervous when you get quiet like that. Okay, so he's going to obey his vows. He's going to fulfill his vows. You know, family of God, he says he's going to fulfill all of his vows. Not only the vows we make to God, but we make to each other. If I make you a promise, I need to keep it. If you make somebody a promise, you need to keep it. You see, when I say to somebody, I'll do this for you, I'll do that for you, and I don't do it, then that person could get offended. Could get offended. Then I'm guilty before God, right? The Bible said, Jesus said, offenses will come, but woe unto him that causes the offense. Well, not to cause offenses, right? We're not to make people, we're not to offend people. They're God's children. So when we say something, I'll do this for you, I'll do that, or I'll meet you there, I'll do this, we need to do it. Keep your vow. Your word is your vow. Your word is your word. You don't have to sign a contract. Your word is your bond. I wish I could spend more time on that. You know, 1 John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God's Word and He are one and the same. And God said He values His Word more than He values His name. And Matthew 12, verse 37 tells us, Jesus said this, he said, by your words you'll be justified and by your words you'll be condemned. Right. In other words, when we stand before the Lord one day, 
He's going to look at all we said and decide where we spend eternity and what rewards we get. So he's going to judge us by what we said and what we did about that. Why would God take my words and judge me as a person from my words? Because you and your word are one. You are your words and your words are you. You understand that? Your words are who you are. So we, mean, we must understand, don't make a promise if you're not going to keep it. Number one. Number two, if you make a promise or you agree to do something and you can't do it, something happens, that's fine. You phone the person or you go and see them and you say, Fred, this happened. I'm sorry. I'd like to ask you, let me off the hook, please. And if he understands your circumstance and he's a brother in the Lord, he's going to say, no problem, I'll let you off. Don't have to do it. But just don't leave it and forget about it and ignore it. Get a hold of the brother, make sure he's okay. And if he says, no, I really have to have it, you promised it, I've made these arrangements based on that, I've got to have it, then a man of God or a pilgrim is somebody who swears to his own hurt and changes not. You're going to go and you're going to say, fine, I'm going to do it even to my own hurt. Keep your promise. Now, I know we all forget things. And if you genuinely, sincerely forgot about it, that's just different. It's different. But if you ever find out, somebody tells you, you said this, you promised that, then it's, go get it done. Go get it done. Are you okay with that? We need to be. That's the Bible. We've got to keep our vows. We can't just say things to people and not think about what we say. And make promises to people and never keep them. That's actually lying. That's what that is. It's telling lies. And lies don't make it. Lies don't make it. Are you out there? All lies will have their place in the lake of fire. Even Christian lies. Amen? So if we've messed up, ask God to forgive us in that area. We need to straighten that out now. Don't wait until you get in a whale. Before you fix that, fix it now. Right? Ask God to forgive you right now. And if you can think of somebody you need to go and put it right with, then call them. Now, I'm preaching better than you are amening out there. Whether you know it or not, that's a very good little bit of advice there. That'll keep you out of the whale. Amen. All right, then. Let's move on. Now, watch this. So, once I've made my agreement to God, I'm going to keep my vows. The next thing he did was he praised God. He asked God to get him out of the fish, obviously. And then he praised God. It says he offered sacrifices with songs of praise. Songs of praise. Say that he offered, he offered songs, songs of praise. He offered songs of praise. So, that's the formula we've been following all the way through. One, pray. Two, praise. That's the principle. Then God, the Bible says here in verse 10, 
Then the Lord offered, then the Lord ordered the fish to split up Jonah out on the beach. Out onto the beach. So God spoke to the fish when Jonah did all that and said, I want you to split up Jonah on the beach. Put your tongue out, let him walk out. Amen. Now, Jonah didn't hear that instruction. When God spoke to the fish and told him, Mr. Whale, spit Jonah out on the beach, he spoke in fish language. Fish language. Jonah doesn't understand fish language, so he never knew what God said to the fish. You see, God is a fish whisperer. So, Jonah prayed right up front when he got in, and then he began to worship God. Father, I want to thank you. I believe you've heard my prayer, and I am delivered from this fish. I believe I'm free from this fish. Praise God. I believe you've heard my prayer, and I want to thank you for delivering me. I'm out of this fish. Praise God, all is well. Hallelujah. And he kept praising God. Praise God, all is well. You've got this God. I'm free from this fish. He said he sang songs of praise. He must have done that for three days. He had no idea which way that fish was going. He had no idea if it was just cruising around the bottom of the sea. Sea cruise. He had no idea if the fish was just sleeping at the bottom of the ocean, just hanging out. He didn't know if it was going to be one day, one minute, three days, three years. He had no idea. He just believed he was free from that fish because God had heard his prayer. So he's praising God in the dark, in the stink, believing all is well because God's got this. You see, when you ask God to help you, giving your problem, and you begin to praise him, you can't see what God is doing. He works under radar. You can't see what he's doing for you. The angels are working, but you can't see it. Jonah did not know that that fish took three days to get from where the boat, uh, where he jumped out the boat, he went the wrong direction, remember? So it took that fish three days to swim from where, the, where, where he picked up Jonah to take him to the right shores of where he should be. It took him three days to get there. Jonah had no idea what's going on. He just believed he was free and praised God for it. So it doesn't matter how bad it looks. And you're not going to always see your answer come right away. You're not going to see it always. But if you'll keep praising God because you believe the problem is solved, you gave it to Him, and now you praise Him, God will work for you. God will work for you. You see, the Bible tells us faith is the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Amen? So you praising God even though you don't see the answer. Jonah 3.1. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go. Well, he spat him out. We read that right. 
Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message of judgment I've given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. Now, we don't praise God to remove the problem. We praise God after we have given the problem to God because we believe God's got it. Say that with me. I don't praise God to remove the problem. I praise God because I've given it to Him and I believe He's got it according to His Word. He said, if I give Him my problems, He'll take care of it. So based on His Word, I'm praising Him because He said it. Amen? All right. Now then, you can see other examples of that in the Bible. Psalm 50, verse 14. Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify, praise me. So listen to, all of the, listen to this, all of you. All of you mighty men of God in the army of God, and women of God in the army of God, Praising God is a weapon that will defeat every problem Satan brings our way. So that praising God is a weapon that will defeat every problem the devil brings our way. If we give the problem to God and then we begin to praise Him and just praise Him and thank Him. Just thank Him and praise Him. And that's what Pastor Viv and I did when... Um, Troy cracked his head and his brain was bleeding as a child, six, six months old in the Lord. A six months baby, six months old baby. Four months old baby. And uh, we just praised God. We prayed, bound the devil, declared he was healed. And then we worshiped God from two o'clock in the morning till six o'clock in the morning. And I sensed the whole thing was done. I just got overcome by the presence and peace of God. I knew it was all over. And we told Natalie and Candace and all the family members that knew about it, this is our process. This is what we're going to do. Step one, we bind the devil, we declare his healed, and then we worship God. Don't tell anybody about it. Don't ask the church to pray because some members know how to pray in faith and others don't. And they'll talk about it Instead of confessing the right thing, they'll talk about it. Remember what Pastor said? Talk to the mountain, it'll go. Talk about the mountain, it'll grow. And um, so we've used that principle many times in life, and it's always worked for us. We got it from Jonah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jonah. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks. In every circumstance give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Hebrews 13.15, therefore by Jesus let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now you know when you're facing dire straits and you're praising God, it's a sacrifice.
The bottom line is always remember to feed your faith and then worship God. Feed your faith and worship God. Remember, this kind of bold praising brings quick deliverance and quick victory. Shadrach, Meshach, and Nebuchadnezzar refused to worship Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. They would only worship God. The king threw them into the burning fire furnace, but God rescued them. And as a result, the king and the entire nation began to worship the one true God. And after marching around the walls of Jericho, the Israelites began to shout and praise God because God said, I have given you the city. When they heard God say, I have given you the city, they shouted and praised God as if they had already conquered it. As if they had already conquered it. The walls are standing, but they are shouting because it's their city. They've conquered it. Why? Because God said, I've given you the city. They're praising God because of His promise. And that's what we should do. We praise God because of His promise. Everything must go back to the Word if you want to walk in faith and see victory. Paul and Silas was in the jailhouse, the feet and hands locked in stocks. At midnight, they prayed and sang praises. And God shook the jail. The chains fell off everybody in the jail, and they're all set free. It's amazing when we praise God, when we walk in the spirit, that everybody around us gets blessed, even the unsaved, even criminals, because God is so merciful. Daniel prayed three times every day, gave thanks to God. Because of this, they threw him in the lion's den. But God shut the mouths of those lions. They didn't harm him. And Daniel was removed after a while by the king. And the king threw Daniel's accusers down into the same lion's den. And the lions ate them before they even hit the ground. The lions jumped up in the air and grabbed these people and ripped them to pieces. Their bodies never touched the ground, according to the Bible. Now we need to learn to rest in the ability of our covenant partner, Jesus. Not our fight, it's his. He is our covenant partner. In that covenant, he's promised to do everything we need him to do and be everything we need him to be. And all he is belongs to us and all we are belongs to him. So, cast all your care upon him, according to 1 Peter 5, 7, and then praise him. And that's what we're going to do right now. You should be sitting on a card that we put on your seat. Look on your seat and find a little white card or some kind of a card. Hold up an air. Let me see if you've got it. Okay, put your, put your card down. If you do not have a card, you can't find it. You might be on the floor. Put your hand up. We'll get you one right now. I want you to write three of your biggest problems or <clears throat> what you believe in God for. Maybe it's not a problem, but a goal that you have. Write three of them down right now. If you've got time, you can write more. Just one word so you know what it's all about. That's all it is. We're going to apply the, the principle you just learned about from Jonah. We're going to apply the Jonah principle. All right? 
This delivered Jonah, it'll deliver you. It's a simple principle. We're going to pray and give the problem to God. And from now, this time, we declare the problem is solved. It's over. God's got it. And we are victorious. We'll just praise Him because we have the victory. Amen? We're going to praise Him because we have the victory. Might be a financial problem. Might be a health problem. Maybe the pastors that want to double their churches. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Write it down. Might not be a problem you need solving. It might be a goal you want to achieve. That's fine. Write it down. If you don't have a goal, then you need to get buried. That's right. If you don't have a goal, you need to get buried. Everybody should have a goal in life, at least one or two, hey? Amen. Amen. I'm going to give you another one minute, and then we're going to pray and give this to God. Now, I can tell you right now, if you'll do this, I guarantee you, upon the Word of God, that these problems will disappear, yes. and you'll walk in victory. Just that simple. Can't fail. God's Word cannot fail. It doesn't matter what you're going through, the Word of God cannot fail. God's Word is final authority. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word shall not pass away, Jesus said. Amen. All right, this is a simple principle, but it always works for us. Always work for me, Pastor Bev, and it's going to work for you tonight. God loves you, wants the best for you, but you do need to exercise your faith. James 1.5, without faith, let not that man suppose he shall receive anything from the Lord. Amen. And with faith, all things are possible to him that believeth. All things, anything. Joshua stopped the sun in the sky. Moses struck the rock, water came out, part of the Red Sea. The same God is our God. He works and operates when we use our faith. And this is not hard. Are you all ready? If you've written on your card, wave it up, let me see it. If you've written on your card. Okay, is there anybody who wants any more time? Say, Wait. <laughs> Say wait. Come on now. Don't write a composition. You must have a lot of problems. We need to give you a writing pad then, right? Okay, I'll ask one more time. Are you ready now? Okay, who wants more time? Okay. Hold your card up in the air. Now say this. Father God, Father God your word said, your word said in, 1 Peter 5, 7, in 1 Peter 5, 7, you want me, you want me to, give you to give you all of my problems because you care for me. You don't want me to worry. You want to take care of it. 
So just like Jonah, who gave his problem to you, and then he praised you, he couldn't see which way the fish was going, but he kept praising you, praising you and praising you, singing songs of praise for three days and nights. He didn't stop, didn't get discouraged. He just kept praising you because he believed that you had heard his prayer. I tonight make a quality decision at 10.30 p.m. On this Friday, what's the date? What is the date? Date, somebody. September what? 27. You can, when we're done, you can write September 27 and 10.30 on the side of that card. Let's just finish this, All right? I declare on this date, September 27, 2019, at celebration, at 10.30 p.m., I give these problems to you, just like Jonah. And so right now, Father, I believe you've got this. You've got this. You told me to do it. I'm doing what you said. It's not my problem anymore. It's your problem. And when the devil comes knocking on my door, I'm going to say, Mr. Devil, this is the praising department, the problem-solving department is upstairs in the throne room. Please go up there, talk to God about your concerns, talk to God about your concerns, they're not mine, I'm free, I'm just praising God, hallelujah. I am free. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Like Jonah, I'm rejoicing. Like Jonah, I'm just having a sea cruise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Give the Lord some praise in the house, church. Give the Lord some praise in the house. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.